Welcome to Road Noise. Buckle up as we explore God's faithfulness, reflecting on 50 years of full-time ministry. We're taking lessons from the unique life and ministry of Sheldon and Victoria Rhodes as they share the gospel crisscrossing North America. I'm your host, Kedron Rhodes, and each episode, I sit down with my dad, Sheldon, and we travel back in time, retracing the lessons God was teaching and mapping them to life today. This scenery may have changed, but God's faithfulness remains the same. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Road Noise. <laughs> so I think we left off last, last we chatted, we were talking about uh, a trip to Japan, um, some involvement still in a, in a music ministry. You had a band going and that's, one of the big reasons you went to Japan was to pick up some gear for, for the band you were in. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had you know, those of us that had instruments. We had our instruments uh, for the most part, but we didn't have a sound system, you know, PA of any kind. If you're going to Japan, I mean, actually going there, you could pick up some really good equipment for a lot less money than you could here in the States, or especially in Alaska. Now, at so this it, point, are you still playing the uh, guitar? Oh, yeah. Same guitars that you melted in the back seat of your uh, yep. Ford. What was that? The Ford uh, Corvair. Corvair. Yep. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Still have that same guitar, and uh, all right. If you're ever interested, I can show you the the blister that the sun melted on it. <laughs> it never went away. Yeah. So hey, this is the same car guitar that I remember growing up. The hollow body electric yeah. guitar. Yep. Okay. Same one. All right. That's a beautiful uh, guitar. And. Um, my guess is it's worth more now than what it was when I bought it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're probably right. <laughs> if it's, it's a if memory serving rate, it's a Gibson, isn't it? Guild. Guild. Yep. No, I knew it was a G. Guild. Yeah. Gibson's still around, I guess. Guild, it's not. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, I guess there's a, a glitch in the story here where we jumped over where I worked at Gibson. What? Yeah. Gibson Guitar was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So that's why Gibson was on the brain. Yeah. Well, I could have worked there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I had applied because I thought, oh, you know, to be around the music industry, no matter what aspect it was, you know, so yeah, exactly. making guitars, I mean, you don't know who you might meet or who might walk into the factory looking for a good guitar or something. Anyway, but yeah, so I'd applied there. I was accepted, but that was kind of in that transition period when Uncle Sam was knocking on my door. And yep. so I figured not one any purpose going down that road because it's going to be yep. a short road. Well, before we hopped on this conversation, you were about to tell me a story about <laughs> something else you picked up in Japan, which I, yep. You know, for those of you tagging along, that this is a story that I've never heard either. So let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dan, Pojo, mm -hmm. and I uh, jump on this plane and go to uh, Japan. And we had an agenda, you know, it was to get sound equipment for the group. And Pojo was in the group too. So that made it, you, know, you got two members of the band going after equipment. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly yep. go wrong, right? Uh, really, we didn't know what, what we're looking for, and that was obvious by what we end up buying. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, we made it work. Yeah. Uh, but there were other things. Remember, I went over there with a whole bunch of cash to get uh, uh, things for missionaries there in Alaska and, and family members uh, that were back here in the States and so forth. But um, while we're bumming around over there, came across this shop, and, man, their shops are just little tiny 
hole-in-the-wall places. I mean, those people will take a very little bit of real estate and turn it into an enterprise. <laughs> I mean, yep. Land's a real premium. So here's this little tiny shop, and there's some Japanese gal in there making uh, badges. And uh, what do you call that? I guess it'd be like with a, a fancy embroidery machine. Sure, yep. And so forth, and, you know, and make whatever you want. I mean, you know, it, just, it didn't matter. And so I kind of bounced the idea off Dan and so forth about what if we got some badges for not really the, the group that we had going because that was a kind of a different classy group. But I was still kind of hoping for, uh, you know, that someday God would put me in a Southern gospel, like a quartet or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I had this name all picked out, the Gospel Squires. All right. Yeah. Uh, you can go on YouTube and see their, well, maybe not. But we would have been a big hit, you know, as the right. Gospel Squires. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, what's really kind of interesting is I came across those patches. Um, when I picked them up, like, the next day, this lady had them all ready for me. And there's a verse that I had put on. Uh, I think it's First Corinthians something or another. And I'd have to look up the verse, see why it was that I chose that. But it obviously had something to do with, with the name. Mm -hmm. But um, came across those patches here just recently. Still in the same package that that lady put them in. <laughs> From 1960-something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might have been 1970. 69 or 70s. Got to be close in there. But yeah, yep. still in the same packages. But what really struck me is on these patches that I designed, there's a spear. Oh, get out. <laughs> now, is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a little foreshadowing. And if you... um. If you know the trajectory of dad's ministry, you'll know why that that particular uh, marker is important. But you got to stick around, you know, for about 500 of these episodes to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I looked at that and I'm thinking, my, oh, my. I can kind of see now looking back on how many years ago. Yeah. Well, that would have been more than 50 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Where God had had things in mind and had planted seeds that should have been real obvious. <laughs> but if you don't know what you're looking for, it wouldn't be obvious. Yeah. I mean, at that time, uh, it seemed to be appropriate for those patches. So it uh, had no idea <laughs> what a full circle that would make. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so um, one of the other guys in the band uh, um, that we had already going uh, played trumpet. And we're bumming around Japan and went into a music store. And they had a, a record playing. Just some absolutely gorgeous trumpet music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was, you know, they sold records. And so even though I didn't speak any Japanese, I wanted to buy that record. Yep. And so how do you tell them, I want to buy the record that you're playing? <laughs> <laughs> when they don't understand English and you don't understand Japanese, but it ended yep. up, I do have that record. I haven't listened to it for a mighty long time, but absolutely gorgeous music. Uh, the instrumental trumpet and all in there, but uh, it has words. I have no idea what the words are. Sure. Uh, uh, maybe I don't want to know what the words are, <laughs> but uh, it, it sounds like it might be a love song or something. But yeah, yeah. But anyway, pull, uh, pull out a translating app on your phone or something, and yeah. who knows what you got. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I did buy a trumpet and brought back for this guy because I thought, no, I don't know what he has, if it's actually his or if he's, you know, renting the thing or something. And man, I could get a trumpet real cheap. So I brought a trumpet back, and uh, brought a 12 string guitar back. A 12 string? Uh, yeah. Uh, 
I had a 12 string, but well, you never know, you know, you might need a second one or you might find someone else that wants one. <laughs> you know, and it's really cheap. So anyway, I brought, yeah. brought that back, you know, so all these things still pointing and hoping for music ministry, but exactly. <laughs> you yep. can own all kinds of instruments, but if that's all you do is own them and you can't play them. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's, there's something to be said there too. I mean, you got hours and hours of practice in and pursuing a, what felt like a calling at the time. And also you got some hard-earned money invested into it, right? You just weren't waiting for it to come to you. You had to put your own, not only sweat equity into it, but actual <laughs> cash into the process. So, well, and as I look back on it, uh, I guess I had more money at that time than I had since that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true of most 20 somethings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got a decent job here in the military and yep. yeah, being single and living on base and eating in the mess hall. I mean, there's <laughs> really not a whole lot to spend money on. So yep. you can spend money on toys. Yep. Well, I mean, toys, but also feels like an investment into the kingdom work that you were pursuing. So I mean that so that you, you get back from from Japan. You've got a band going, and does that just kind of pursue the the music ministry while you're enlisted, or did that eventually wind down before you moved back to the states? No, or, that was War Forty Eight, I guess. Yeah, War Forty Eight. Um, that was still pretty much going when I left. Oh wow! Um, going as much as it went, I guess. You know, we were doing uh, things in local churches, you know, evening services and so forth, <clears throat> kind of mini concerts, I guess. I mean, we yeah. We had our act together, you know, six or eight songs, whatever it was. That's all we knew, but that's, we're able to share them. And yep. anyway, so, so we did that. And uh, I guess things were going as good as we could have expected it. Uh, we certainly weren't any one hit wonders, <laughs> but then uh, I got the phone call that totally changed the trajectory of my life at that point. Mm -hmm. um, the pastor from my folks church called and said that my dad was in the hospital and I should probably get home as quick as I could. And they're back in Portage. Area. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kalamazoo, Portage, Michigan area. Anyway, uh, so knowing that, okay, my dad's in the hospital and they're not exactly sure what's going on, but it doesn't look good. I need to get home as quick as I can. <clears throat> well, because of my medical job and training and, and so forth, I was on the uh, flight crew for search and rescue missions. Hmm. And so my name is, it's on the list. Okay. And so when I got that phone call, I quick called over to the flight line and said, Hey, I need a flight back to the States as quick as possible. And they said, Oh yeah. All right. We, you know, like I said, my name's already on the list. So they could put me on a plane real quick and easy. They said, we've got one leaving and, and I forget what it was, but just a very short time. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, you know, got a phone call. I need to get home. I make one phone call. I've got a plane lined up. I mean, yeah, things are, yeah, I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Well, now I have to get authorized to take emergency leave. Yeah, right. Now we're talking military red tape. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to take my word for it that my dad's in the hospital and I need to catch this plane that's sitting on the runway waiting for me. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got to verify everything before they'll let me go. Well, the military's not going to hold the plane up. And so next thing I know, I'm still there and the plane's leaving mm. as I'm waiting for the military to verify that there really is a family emergency. Well, by the time they did all that, okay, there's not a plane heading back to the lower 48 right away. Yeah. I still need to get home right away. So now I have to book a, a civilian flight. Okay, so I book a civilian flight and, you know, well, the short version of that story 
is when I landed in Kalamazoo, I need to call somebody because, (laughs) okay, I'm here. Uh, How do I get from here to the hospital or to my folks' house or whatever? Yeah. Anyway, so I went to the payphone there at the airport in Kalamazoo and called home. And uh, one of the deacons from the church answered the phone. Hmm. And I told him, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here at the airport. Can someone come and get me? And he's like, uh, yeah, Sheldon, but I uh, just want to let you know your dad passed away this morning. Mm-hmm. And that put a whole bunch of water and fertilizer on a bitter seed that I had growing mm-hmm. already because I had tried to uh, get out earlier out of the Air Force so that I could uh, go to Bible college. I was going to go to the same Bible college that I had been to you know, before. Yeah. And everybody else was getting out early. The Vietnam War was starting to slow down. And, and so yeah. those of us that had had been in for, I mean, I don't, I'd, my enlistment was for four years and that four years is almost up. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I could just get out a couple months early and there were a lot of guys were getting out a year early. Yeah. And so I'm only asking for a few months and I was denied. Okay. So I'm not a, at all happy about that, you know, and, and it was one particular individual that had the power of saying yes or no. And uh, he said no. And anyway, so I had this bit of bitterness already. And then um, I made that phone call and found out that my dad died before I got there mm-hmm. when I could have been there the day before. Right. You know? uh, so I was really bitter towards the Air Force at that point. You know, I mean, it didn't get to say goodbye to my dad. I mean, it was, and it could have. Yeah. I mean, everything were... was lined up. I could have been on that military plane and been back home. Yep. Before and you were you were a young man, but so was your dad. Well, how old was he? Uh, I'd have to do the math. I'm be 47, I believe. Yeah. So about my age. Yeah. 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 That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so that, like I said, that pretty much changed the direct trajectory of my life because I didn't get back to Alaska after that. Um, I mean, I'm home on emergency leave. Dad dies. Okay. My sister's still in high school. Mom had never really worked outside the home. She didn't have a job, so there's no income. Yeah. Uh, Dad had opted to um, take his military retirement as um, a monthly thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that ended the day he died. Yeah. And so I remember basically when my mom got the last check from the Air Force. And so it's like, okay, this is it. There's no income. There's no yeah. money. Well, the Air Force... Like I said, now it's just a matter of a few weeks before I'm supposed to get out anyway. Yep. And so they did give me an early out. Uh, I was like, I'd have to look at the papers, but it's like one month early. Right. And the reason they did is so that I could provide for my mom and my sister, the yep. oldest male and so forth. So you know, I forget what the title is or something anyway, that they have provision for that. And mm-hmm. Anyway, so some things happened in between there, but I was actually a student and in the Air Force at the same time. Okay. We're <laughs> <laughs> waiting for your discharge papers. And waiting all. for, you yeah. Got enrolled. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I said, Mom, I never really worked outside the home and my sister's still in high school. I knew that somebody needed to provide some income. And so I went to one of the Kalamazoo hospitals and said, hey, here's the situation. I need a job. Mm-hmm. And they said, start tomorrow. Work mm-hmm. in the emergency room. Yeah. Similar work that you did in the Air Force? I had worked emergency room, some in the Air Force. Um, With the training that I had, I know it really sounds like bragging almost, but there wasn't many um, enlisted people that worked the hospital that had any more training than those that worked in the operating room. And so if there was a shortage, any place in the hospital, um, if they couldn't find somebody, kind of as a last resort, they would pull someone from the operating room. Say, you know, can you spare someone to cover wherever until... 
you know, we, our new guy gets here. Yep. And anyway, so anytime one of those situations came up, I always said, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> because I just wanted to know and learn everything. Yeah. And, you know, so I worked in the, the eye clinic for a while, hmm. uh, filling in until they got somebody. I worked emergency room, you know, ambulance and in the emergency room itself, um, you know, a few times, you know, even visited the morgue and so forth. <laughs> sure. Uh, and of course, the x-rays, we're doing x-rays all the time in the operating room. So if x-ray, so it's like someone from the operating room could fill in any position in the hospital that was yeah. vacant. <laughs> and so I was just always kind of the guy like, hey, I'll do it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Get experience. You know, it was yep. great experience. Yeah. So um, needless to say, when I needed the job at that time, the hospital was was excited to have me. But man, it was a lousy job. <laughs> Because as a civilian in a civilian hospital, even though I've got all this training and experience, they tie your hands behind your back. Yeah, you're not credentialed. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, you know, people come in the emergency room and you got to wait for the doctor to get there. <laughs> I'm thinking doctor doesn't have to be here for this. Right, right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, but fortunately, you didn't have to stay there too awful long. And mom did get a job and so forth. So things sort of got on what I guess we'd call an even keel. And so it was like, Okay, um, well, why don't you just go ahead and, and go to school? Yeah. I mean, what a what... massive change in your life, though, after after nearly four years in the military, being far, far away from from not even really home. I mean, at this point, Michigan's hardly home. No, never really and, lived here. Yeah, right. And then you come back to your dad passed away and you stepping in to take care of the family and provide and also get a new job start building a life in West Michigan and then start school. Yeah. That, that is a whirlwind of upheaval. Yeah. And it certainly takes its toll on your emotions. I mean, no there's just all kinds of stuff that, but Hey, it's, it's life, you know, and I'm not the first and only one that's ever lost a dad when, when I was young and dad was young. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's those things still happen today. Yeah. You know, and think when, somebody faces major tragedies like that in their life. What are you going to do with it? I mean, it's going to be hard. I don't care how you look at it, mm -hmm. but you can blame God. I mean, after all, he is God. He could have kept my dad alive or sure. at least alive long enough till I got here. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, so you can blame God because he's got the ability in his hands to make it all better. But if that's not God's will and things don't go the way that you really wish they would have and could have, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can get very bitter and or you can look at it and say, this really hurts, but it's still God's will. Yeah, God doesn't make mistakes. I don't understand it. I don't like it, but he's still God. And who am I to question? Yeah. And so bottom line is you need to accept it. And yeah. even though it hurts, you still need to accept it that, OK, this is God's plan. And that he He has a bigger picture in mind. And yeah. we may, may see it or we may not. But... If we do, fine. <laughs> but we may not. We may not. We may not. That's in either a, case. Yeah, either case. That's such a such a powerful reminder. I mean, the world is faced with tragedy every single moment of every single day. And it's a choice, right? You, you had the choice to either be mad at God or blame him or to trust him. And if you decide to blame God, you can walk away. Um, I mean, he'll let you. <clears throat> <clears throat> I'm guessing uh, it might not be pleasant <laughs> and he's going to do his best to get your attention. 
Yeah. Bring you back. Yeah. I've seen so many people that, you know, for one reason or another, come to a a tragic point in their life and pretty much walk away from God. Yeah. And get that bitter attitude and spirit. Yep. Wow. What a rotten way to have to live your life. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the notions of hell, but if hell is the separation of us and God, you can start that journey right here now. You sure can. And you can live a miserable, miserable life. And even if you're not ultra miserable and life's not tragedy, you're still walking away from the blessing of a loving father who's looking out for you, who cares for you, who wants a relationship. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Hard to understand. But uh, like I said a lot of people do that. Um, yeah. Well, God's, God's still there. He's still ready and waiting. He still wants to be the loving father to anyone that uh, says, hey, God, I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So that's maybe that's a good place to put a pin in this conversation. Um, There's a this to me feels like a pivotal moment moment in not only your path to ministry, but your legacy as a Christian father, because you could have turned right there like many people do. And it's easy to see how people do, but you didn't. And 50 years later, you're still committed to the work that God's called you to do. And you've got four kids that all love the Lord and grandkids that are pursuing a relationship with Christ. And it could have all came to that moment right there. Well, we wouldn't be having that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because if I had turned and gone the other way, I wouldn't have ended up at the college where I started, where I met your mom. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. When you look back um, and see all the different places where things could have gone different, and so forth. Uh, but yet, like we've talked in previous episodes here, that if you're actively seeking God's will, yeah. he'll direct you. you know? If you get rebellious and say, no, I <laughs> don't want to follow God's will, and I don't want God in my life, well, then okay. But you know, as long as you're actively seeking God's will, he'll direct you yeah. and don't walk away from him. Uh, and some yeah. days those steps forward will feel easy, and some days those steps forward in faith will feel like a giant leap. Yep. All right. Well, like you said, let's put a pen in it then and uh, pick up maybe jumping into college, I guess. That sounds about next. (laughs) (laughs) Going to college again. Who would have thought? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. This is Grandpa Wisely. And I just wanted to let you know that a bumblebee is considerably faster than a John Deere tractor.